Hello and welcome to Tribe Talking, the podcast of Tribe Talk. Here we have conversations and offer insights for Jewish middle and high school students as they look toward college and beyond. From wisely evaluating Jewish life on campuses to equipping themselves should they encounter any anti-Semitic and anti-Israeli sentiments. Tribe Talk is an expanding hub of resources guiding students and their parents along the way at a time when Jewish pride and identity is being challenged. This is Jordan Rich, and today, very pleased to have with me Ben Shapiro, a recent graduate from Tufts University, where he served for years as co-president of Tufts Friends of Israel. Ben is currently on the board of alums for Campus Fairness, ACF, as a Tufts chapter leader. Ben is also a prolific public speaker, most recently most recently giving a featured gala address at the Stand With Us 2020 International Conference. First of all, where do you come from originally? Yeah, so I was born in Boston and moved to Los Angeles when I was six years old. And I always wanted to go back to Boston and live there at some point. And college was the perfect time to do that. So I moved right back and attended Tufts University for the past four years. All right. Very important question before we get rolling. Red Sox or Dodgers? Where are we going here? Red Sox. Definitely Red Sox. You can stay. (laughs) Good, good. Good man, good man. So, all right, you went to Tufts, and uh, prior to coming to school, what was your life as a young Jewish student in, in, say, high school? Yeah. Were you active or or involved in activities that relate to Judaism? Yeah, I I was super involved in middle school and high school. I was a member of USY, which is the conservative Mm -hmm. movement's youth group. Um, I was on the regional board of my region and kind of the West Coast. I was involved... Uh, on you know pretty high level internationally, and that that's what kind of sound set the groundwork for becoming Jewishly involved in college. I don't think that if I didn't do it in high school, I would have really cared to do it in college. So I think that for high school students right now that are already involved, you know, that's not going to stop. That's that's mm-hmm. only going to make you want to connect even further because it's familiar, it's comfortable, you already have that for you. Right. Um, and you know, it was a great social life for me in high school and it was in college as well. So I, I highly recommend um, connecting with your Hillel and Chabad on campus because right. it is kind of like a slice of home. Tell me about Tufts. What was it like? Did you have expectations that were exceeded or met or not met about what we're talking about, about Jewish life on campus? Yeah, I think it's really important to give a, a representative look um, at not just Tufts, but all of the, the college experience. And right. so, you know, I'm only going to speak from my experience, but um, hopefully, you know, I can get across some of some of the nuance. So, you know, we'll frequently see these lists, um, and, and any of the high school students watching this probably know the top 10 anti-Semitic schools in the country, and some of these different uh, media websites will, will publish this. And oftentimes you'll find that these schools that are listed in, in top 10 most anti-Semitic campuses, Columbia, NYU, UCLA, Tufts, these are some of the schools with the best Jewish life. Uh, I don't think that that is you know, I think it makes a lot of sense, actually. Not mutually exclusive, in other words. Exactly. Okay, yeah. I think like on a surface level, the anti-Semites will find where the Jews are. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you hate Jews and there's a lot of Jews around you, you're probably (laughs) going to say something, unfortunately. But um, I think that what that does is it gives the Jewish community, you know, this call to action to be 
proudly Jewish, to be proudly Zionist on campus, to not back down from who you are. And so anytime that an incident happened on my campus, we would all come together and we'd say, we can't let this distract from the important work we do, because if we do, then they win. So we didn't let that happen. Um, and we have an incredibly strong Jewish community at Tufts. It, it was really uh, a home for many years. And I think that that is what showed me that, you know, what I was fighting for. There, there were so many times where, you know, you're kind of at this fork in the road between, do I do this, which might be kind of awkward publicly, or, you know, it might affect my social status, or people will like see me as the, the Jewish kid on campus, or look at this amazing Jewish community that I'm a part of. This is who I'm doing this for. This is who I'm fighting for. Mm. Uh, of course, I took that option. And I think that um, I had a lot of success in my campus advocacy and activism uh, because of that. Well, that makes so much sense. If you go into any new situation with hope and desire for a positive result, then you're more likely to get that positive result. Let's talk a little bit, though, about the two parts of this. One is the anti-Semitism that does rear its ugly head, not just on campuses. We'll talk about that in a second. But really, the community that was already in place and that is already in place in so many of these schools, it may not be a lot of people because Jews are naturally in the minority. But you're, you're saying that, at least in your case, a very strong, closely knit, supportive community. Let's talk about some of those positives before we come back to anti-Semitism. You mentioned Hillel, you mentioned Chabad, but let's get into some detail about what these are all about. Yeah, absolutely. The positives definitely outweighed um, the negatives. And the numbers I hear at Tufts range between 10 and 25 percent of the campus population being Jewish. I don't know what the actual truth is. I think sometimes that data is um, self-selective or it's old data, but you know, there is a huge Jewish population. The numbers are there. You'll see it in the, the last names of the friends that you're meeting in your freshman dorm. You'll see it on the names of the buildings, you know, who these are actually being donated by. You're going to be surrounded by it. Um, one of the coolest things about the Jewish community on campus is I think it really bridges being a religious and a cultural community really well. So Tufts is a unique school in that it was originally started as a religious Unitarian Universalist school. So there's, you know, really nothing left of that. We don't have a, a school of theology or divinity anymore, but because of that original arrangement, university chaplaincy is not in the, office of campus life, it is a direct report to the president of the university. And Tufts Hillel, uh, the director, is the Jewish chaplain on campus. Mm. So we have had a very close relationship with our university president because of this really interesting um, arrangement. And so mm. when bad things happen on campus or when good things happen on campus, our university president is there. We know him. He's been a friend to the Jewish community. And I think that that is an arrangement that, you know, it's not just about that one person and one relationship we have. I think that's something that can be felt on campus, that the Jewish community is integrated, that we're not just, you know, on the sidelines and trying to be involved in stuff. You know, there are issues and I can get into that, um, but we do feel really involved. And it's not a coincidence that the Jewish students on campus are some of the most involved in 
all topics uh, and issues mm. in, in campus life. And what I'm gleaning from all of this is that it really makes sense for incoming students to join, to be part of an organization, an association, a group, a club, because there's that sense of community, that sense of camaraderie. And there is more power when you have people around you who feel the same way, power in a good way. Talk with me a bit more about the strength and support of Jewish groups on campus. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that is really seen in how the Jewish community on campus is not a monolith. I mean, there are so many different initiatives and other clubs and subgroups and subgroups below that that are all in this community and, and focusing on different issues. One of the coolest projects that uh, Tufts Hillel organizes is this initiative called Marin Moral Voices. And every year they have a, I think it might even be every semester, there's a major keynote speaker on a very specific issue. Things like immigration reform or gun control or abortion rights, things that are not necessarily Jewish issues. These are human issues. These are American issues. And by doing this programming, we are, it's kind of a twofold purpose. We are showing the campus community that these are also Jewish issues. These also affect mm -hmm. us. And we're showing that we care and that we're kind of a, you know, a good neighbor on campus. Um, and that's some of the programming that isn't even Jewishly related. When you get into the Jewishly related programming, we have everything from acapella groups, to Israel advocacy groups, to their you know, Jewish women's collective, and there's an LGBT uh, initiative, and there's Hala for Hunger where you're cooking Hala, and there's community service, and there's Tamid, which is a business group. I mean, it, right. it really is the whole spectrum of any activity. There's a Jewish equivalent of that, and that gives people so many ways to meet other Jews and to get involved in the community and it kind of is its own social network within campus. But, you know, as I said, we're very integrated with the larger campus framework and, and it doesn't feel isolated. We feel very connected. Well, you're an outstanding spokesman uh, or cheerleader even for this. But one of the things I wanted to ask you about was leadership. And you've been involved in on-campus leadership. Tell our audience about the Intercampus Leadership Committee of CJP that you served on for three years. What was that all about? Yeah, well, if you think I'm a good spokesman for, you know, the Jewish community at Tufts, you should hear what I have to say about <laughs> the New England region. Okay. I mean, it is really happening uh, in, in New England because of CJP. Um, CJP, as many people know, is the Jewish Federation in Boston. And one of the most impactful uh, genres of programming that they organize is this inter-campus uh, programming. And I think that's so important because, you know, on campus we'll find times where we just want to get off and, we're, you know, we're sick of the people at our school. Maybe this is a uniquely tough thing, but I think it happens everywhere. <laughs> it <And> does. <laughs> we just want to, you know, meet other people. We want to take a pause. And, you know, I'll be honest, that's why people go to these Tinder and whatever apps. But I think CJP does it even better because you can meet people who are also in the same community as you mm. and passionate about those same issues. So mm -hmm. I was on this intercampus leadership committee for three years and I made so many friends from BU, Northeastern, Emerson, Clark, I mean any school in this region. A lot of different um, regions around the country I think will have similar programs 
um, especially cities like LA or New York that have a lot of different schools. But Boston is unique in that pretty sure we have the highest density of college students mm. uh, for a city in the, in the whole country. So, so, so that bodes well for people going to small suburban or rural schools to know that there's a lot of interconnection with larger schools or schools in other areas where you can communicate, you can socialize, you can connect. Yes, definitely. And I don't think that it's necessarily an issue if you're at a, an isolated school or a rural school um, or a big school that's, that's by itself or a small school that's by itself. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of these schools will have really strong social life. And, and to the high school students who are still in that search process, go on the, to- the college tour. When you go on the college tour, you can easily see if you're at a social campus or not. I remember one school that I toured <laughs> when I was a senior in high school, and you know, I won't name it, but I was there in the middle of the school year, and no one on campus was talking to each other. I mean, you could just, it was palpable. It was the most awkward campus I'd ever seen. And so I didn't go there. So if you're looking for a social campus, you can find it. And any campus you find that has Jewish life, there's going to be amazing social life because we stick together, you know, we watch after our own. And even if there are ways to build community and it's not fully there yet, I don't see that as an issue as a campus you should avoid. I see that as an opportunity. Go to those schools, help build their Jewish life and and set the the norm for years to come. I think that's a really noble undertaking. There are so many upsides to what we're talking about, and you just teased it earlier, and we'll just have you talk a little bit more about it, and that's the connection to Israel, not just going to the Holy Land and experiencing it, but in some cases, working over there, interning over there. I mean, I'm talking to people all the time through this podcast who are telling me amazing stories of growth and adventure and economic enhancement because they made that effort in Israel, and Israel's very thankful. Yeah, it's really interesting. I think there's two different Israels. There's the Israel that, that happens when you visit it, and then there's the Israel on campus. And sometimes that, that there's a disconnect in how that's talked about or how you experience it. And I think it's really important to, to have that balance and sometimes to take a step back when things do get difficult on campus and to realize you know, what you're actually talking about. It's not just this topic that exists as a debate on campus. It is a real country with real people and an amazing culture. And so with these opportunities like the internships and the semesters abroad and birthright and various trips, it's so important to just see Israel for what it is and to experience it. You know, I I joke that when I went on birthright, I didn't want to have any political conversations because I do that the entire school year. I'm doing Israel advocacy on campus. So when I'm actually in Israel, I just want to sit back on the beach with a beer and have fun. I mean, I'm not looking to do anything remotely, uh, you know, groundbreaking. Other people might feel the opposite way. um, And that's okay. It's just important to have those opportunities to really take a step back and look at how you're engaging with Israel. Because Sometimes it can be really tough, and it's important to know that there is something outside of the campus bubble, and Israel Mm. is a real country that will continue to exist. Let me just circle back before we wrap up here and ask you to comment on 
a problem that uh, occurs on some campuses when it's not simply other students or even outside organizations, but it's faculty or members of an administration who are very likely exhibiting anti-Semitic behavior, whether in the classroom or on the quad. Any thoughts on how people out there who are afraid of that, and I can see why they would be, can deal? Yeah, I'll answer that in two ways, and I'll, I'll address the, the administration first and then the faculty. I think sometimes we conflate the different vested stakeholders that we're talking about. And I think it's really important to separate administration from faculty because they function in just fundamentally different ways. Just in terms of their contract status, faculty can get tenure. They can work there forever. Administrators do not. And so while an administration uh, is seen as this big, powerful, controlling body of the campus, these are people in everyday jobs. They don't get tenure. And so that's just really important to understand kind of what motivates them and how they function. The other thing is that the administration is responsible primarily for fundraising. And when controversy happens on campus, everyone knows that that's where fundraising can take a hit. So understandably, administrators want to say the least possible. They don't want to stir the pot or admit that things are bad until they really, really have to. So when things are happening to your specific community, if something happens to the Jewish community that you really think the administration needs to step in on, it's not very productive to ask them all the time to just condemn something outright. That is a negative sounding statement. It doesn't make them look very good. It just signals a lot of flaws. But if you give them a win on a silver platter and you say, if you put this statement out here and it's gonna make the school look good and it's gonna make your leadership look principled, they'll actually do it. And so the way that I think about a university administration is as a tool that we can use to our advantage. And they're, they're a partner of ours. They're vested stakeholders, but they're also in this with us. They're kind of co-equal in that regard. They do want what's best for the students. They just need to be given the comfort needed to protect our group of students or any group of mm -hmm. students without seeming divisive or negative mm -hmm. or, or alienating others. With faculty, faculty, you know, they're responsible for educating students. And with that comes immense, immense power. They really can say anything that they want to because of this principle of academic freedom. But it's important to not forget that students also have academic freedom. One of the big issues that we see popping up on campuses all over and something that did happen, um, you know, with, with a specific class at Tufts is the academic boycott. And that is a subset of the BDS movement as a whole. It's not an economic boycott. It's not a student government resolution. It is professors who are saying, we will shut down discourse about Israel. We will make sure not to offer nuanced sources about Israel. We're going to offer the ones that, that we agree with. That harms the students' academic freedom. Mm -hmm. And so that's why we need to separate the academic boycott in theory from the academic boycott in practice. And what I mean by that is a university administration saying we don't support the academic boycott, we're not going to adopt this, that's the academic boycott in theory. And Tufts, along with 299 other schools, like seven, eight-ish years ago, said that. 
that doesn't prevent the academic boycott from happening because it can still happen in the faculty domain in the individual classrooms. So when we had a course that was titled Colonizing Palestine, I mean, directly implying that Jews are not indigenous to this area and that it was colonized and it belongs wholly to the Palestinians, that, that's ahistorical and they were allowed to say that. And they were allowed to teach a course that was so clearly one-sided at their own admission and in the manifestation of the course as a whole. So my advice for dealing with professors like this or courses like this, take those classes. If we allow these classes to become echo chambers and to politically indoctrinate future leaders of the campus and of the country, then they're succeeding in this theoretical academic boycott. We have to, to show up in these classes to challenge where that's needed, respectfully, of course, and to offer the opposing viewpoints that are intentionally being left out. And I think that that is something that Jewish students are so equipped to do because I think we're just allowed people. I mean, we speak our minds. That's a really good thing. We have to use that for good. Well, I think I'm speaking to a very strong present and future leader right here. Before we wrap up, tell our audience what the near future for you looks like. I mean, you graduated, but there's a lot to come. Yeah, it's really interesting because being a recent graduate, you're kind of in this middle ground between being a college student, which you just were five minutes ago, and a young professional, which you're probably not quite there yet. So obviously the, the job market here is kind of a mess, um, but you know, as I, I hope many people have seen, there's so much campus insight that I think still needs to be imparted on current college students and incoming college students. And, and that's something I'm really passionate about, institutional memory. And we can't let students that are in college now forget about the things that happened before that they were there because you know history is a way of repeating itself and tactics that we've seen or incidents or really positive programming uh, that's happened in the past can happen again and so i think it's important that we prepare these future students so in a very general sense that's something i'll be focusing on for this summer this year you know however many years until i'm no longer seen as having relevant campus insight. Um, one of the ways I'm doing that is with a podcast uh, webinar series with CJP. The name is to be pending, but uh, that's going to be a really interesting series of conversations with students who have done amazing projects and have amazing initiatives. Um, and I think this whole by students for students realm of programming is really, really powerful. So that's where I'll be. Well, we'll certainly be back to you for updates and for your input because you've been fabulous to join us here. Wish you the very, very best and uh, certainly appreciate your, not only your knowledge, but your enthusiasm. You are one very excited former student at the moment. You may be a student again at some level, but uh, thanks, man, for joining us and really uh, laying it out so beautifully. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much. And to all the students out there, good luck. You got this. Our guest on this podcast has been Ben Shapiro, recent graduate from Tufts University. You've been listening to Tribe Talking, the podcast of Tribe Talk. We invite you to subscribe, download, rate, and review our podcast, and please tell your friends about us. Send us your questions and feedback. We'd love to hear from you. 
Our website is tribetalk.org. This is Jordan Rich. Thanks for listening.